I don't care for watered-down preaching. It's all right if it steps on my toes. I don't care for weak gospel singing. Let the holy hallelujahs roll. I'll join in with the saints as they're praying for a world that needs hope for today. around we'll see who he is and i can tell them all of the reasons why no my redeemer lives only through his blood their salvation not of works of my grace through faith standing firm on the solid foundation i'll stay in the old the old time way. Tell us about it, Brother Gerald. That's right. <laughs> Amen. That's right. Amen. Hadn't missed a service since either. Ain't that something? Amen. Boy, that's good. Brother Brandon, come on up. Come sing a little. Amen.
There we go. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. I thank God for the vicarious sacrifice of Jesus. He died in my place. I appreciate that. His heart was broken, mine was mended. He became sin, now I'm clean. The cross he carried bore my burden. The nails that held him set me free. His life for mine, His life for mine, how could it ever be that He would die, God's Son would die to save a wretch? like me what love divine he gave his life for mine his scars of suffering brought me healing he shed his blood to fill my soul his crown of thorns made me royalty his sorrow gave me joy untold his life for mine his life for mine how could it ever be that he would die God's son would die to save a wretch like me what love divine he gave his life for mine he was despised and rejected Stripped of his garments and oppressed I am loved and accepted And I wear a robe of righteousness His life for mine His life for mine How could it ever be that he would die, God's son would die, to save a wretch like me. What love divine he gave his life for mine.
Do you know how it feels to know something's missing and hear a still small voice? You just keep dismissing. Do you know how it feels to be troubled inside and to think just for you on a cross someone died? Do you know how it feels when he knocks to surrender how your sins washed away? Never to be remembered and to know that it's real. Ain't it good to know how it feels? How does it feel to know you're a child of the King? Your heavenly Father owns everything. Tell me, how does it feel to know you are loved by the one who created the stars up above? Tell me, how does it feel to know you're all right when you lay down your head on your pillow each night and to know that it's real? Ain't it good to know how it feels? Do you know how it feels? When your cold heart is melted and the tears start flowing The moment you felt it, do you know how it feels To know you've been changed and it seems like your whole world has been rearranged Do you know how it feels wherever you roam You still get that feeling you're not at home Knowing heaven is real Ain't it good to know how it feels How does it feel to know You're a child of the King Your heavenly Father owns everything Tell me how does it feel To know you are loved By the one who created the stars up above tell me how does it feel to know you're all right when you lay down your head on your pillow each night and to know that it's real ain't it good to know how it feels how does it feel to know you're a child of the king your heavenly father owns everything tell me how does it feel to know you are loved by the one who created the stars up above tell me how does it feel to know you're all right when you lay down your head on your pillow each night and to know that it's real ain't it good to know how it feels knowing heaven is real ain't it good to know how it feels and uh, be 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 made new and it's wonderful when you get saved I like that terminology saved people use the word saved Unsaved people don't use the word saved very much. 
you, you can almost quickly identify your friends and family by their terminology. And I'm glad I'm saved tonight. But we had a good time this morning. I appreciate some of you. How many were here this morning? Gluttons for punishment is all I can say. And back tonight. Take your Bibles and turn with me over to uh, 2 Samuel, chapter number 5. And uh, I'm going to preach fast, and you're going to listen fast, and we'll get out of here fast. I mentioned this morning, you can't tell by looking, man, I, we, we laid down out there at, at Brother Derek's cabin, and it got, I mean, it's, it's, it was a nice dark room, raining, hitting the tin, and I mean, it was hard getting up. And so whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, the Lord knoweth I. If I go to sleep while I'm preaching, somebody wake me up. I said, well, you don't look, you don't look tired. Well, you, yes, another you can't tell. A little boy moved into a rural town, and they were notorious for fighting roosters, fighting, fighting dogs. They fought anything. And this boy had, uh, had a champion dog, never had lost a fight. And the owner of the country store had a pit bull dog, big old brindled dog, wide spike collar. I'm talking about cropped off ears, big, big old broad chest on him, had scars all over him. He'd never lost a fight, been in several. And he heard about that boy's dog, and when the boy came to the store, that store owner said, said hey, son, said, I heard you got a bad dog. And that boy said, well, my dog ain't never lost a fight. He said, well, I'd like to pit my dog with your dog. And so they set it up when the sheriff was out of town, and uh, they met back in the woods. There came that man leading that big old brindle pit bull with a log chain on him and two fellas holding him, pulling him, just pulling him across the top of the ground on that pine straw just like he was on skis. And that dog just <laughs> and foaming out the side of his mouth and, and, <laughs> and they're just dragging him across the ground. Here came that boy with a little dog, solid white, long nose, his bobtail and had a shoelace tied around his neck. And he led him up there to the pit and they bumped noses like they do, build them up. And when they let go, that little white dog just reached up and just, just swallowed that pit bull whole. And that man began to weep. He said, I ain't believing this. <laughs> he said, that ain't right. He said, but I ain't believing this. He said, he said, that dog ain't never lost a fight. He said, what kind of dog you got, son? He said, well, before I painted him white and cut his tail off, he was an alligator, praise God. <laughs> Amen. And... Uh, yeah, you just can't ever tell. Second Samuel chapter number 5, and I'll just kind of give you a backdrop on what's taking place. David was God's king. Uh, he was not just the man's king or, or, or uh, the people's king. He was God's choice. And God had a purpose in his life. And may I say to you tonight that one of the greatest things, uh, one of the greatest recognitions, one of the greatest awakenings you can have outside of being saved. And the greatest thing that ever happens is you be saved. To recognize you're a sinner, that Jesus Christ paid your sin debt, and that you owe something that you can't pay, and to trust his payment at Calvary, man, for by grace are you saved through faith. And man, what a great day that'll be in your life. If you're here tonight lost, we highly recommend Jesus to you. I'm telling you, I speak for this crowd. If you're here tonight and you've never been saved, never been resurrected from the dead spiritually, you need to be saved. But then once that takes place, one of the greatest times in a Christian's life is when they really define their purpose. And all of us are called to serve the Lord. That's not an argument. 
I mean, we're saved to serve. That's the purpose. You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And that's talking about soul winning. And that's talking about reproductive, spiritually reproduction, being evangelistic, seeing people say, and that's the purpose of God. It's a faithful saying, where of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief, Paul said. And that's what he came to do. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And I'm glad he's in, included us in that purpose. And all of us don't play the same role. I mean, you can't have two or three pastors. You have one pastor. Amen. There you go, Sadie. I mean, praise God. Two or three trips like that and it'll get it done. Amen. Sadie was singing good in that crowd when she was singing with Mom a while ago. And she'll be singing when she comes back. Somebody say amen. And, uh, man, we've got to find the purpose of God in our life. And the uh, Bible said, Ephesians 2.10, when well, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's the purpose of God, to be created unto that God hath before ordained that we should walk in. And that has nothing to do with election. That has everything to do with predestination of a believer. God predestines what you're to do once you get saved. Everybody can't be the pastor. Anything with two heads is a monster. Hey, Ma'am, you can't be the husband. I don't care what Obama told you. You can't be the husband. Hey, Amen. You've got to be the wife. And, and the husband can't be the wife. And the children can't be the parents. And we've got to find our role. And we read in this text of chapter 5, chapter 6 of 2 Samuel, that David had finally identified his true purpose. He wasn't just to be a shepherd on a hillside for Jesse, his daddy. He wasn't just to be carrying food to his, his uh, uh, combative war, war brothers in warfare. Uh, he wasn't just a motivator, but he was there not only to rule over Judah, but over Israel. And for he comes to a, 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 a recognition of his purpose. Now, let me say to you, and I don't want to bore you, but that, that is a very important day in your life. I was glad when I came to the realization, Brother Derek, that I couldn't be Curtis Hudson. My daddy was a great preacher and a great man and had great influence o o over people with, with, in the Word of God and a great soul winner, but I'm not Curtis Hudson. And it was a good day, a good day in my life when I, when I determined what God's purpose for my life was. And it would be a good day in yours. And so David had found that purpose. And let me remind you that God's purposes, his calls are without repentance. That God doesn't back up and say, I wish I hadn't. When he calls you and gives you a specific place of service, he, he gives those calls uh, for lengthy calls. I mean, un, even to the ends of the age. And uh, when he anointed Saul, this is interesting, when he anointed Saul, when Samuel came to anoint Saul, he anointed Saul with a vial of oil. And I believe it was a typ typical or typified the, 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 the brief ministry that Saul would have as king. But when he went down to Jesse's house, and all the brethren came through and Samuel said, this is the one, God told him, that little ruddy uh, shepherd boy, he's the one. He said, anoint him with a horn of oil. And that's a picture of a lengthy ministry. And let me just say, as we do find, define the purpose of God in our life, well, we need to do everything we can to stay busy about it. Let's don't, let's don't do anything to disqualify us in service. Amen. That's not just for preachers. I'm talking about that's for, that's for the layman in the house of God. Let's, let's, let's stay faithful and let's, let's live with, a, with the heart of God. Uh, he was a man after God's own heart. He never lost the purpose of God's call in his life. 
Now, I want to preach to you a little while using verse number 10 of chapter 5. After he had reached this recognition, came to this solid foundation of the purpose of his life, the Bible said, and David went on and grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Chapter 5, verse 10, underline it in your Bible. And David went on, and he grew great, and the Lord God of hosts was with him. Our Heavenly Father, I pray tonight you'd help me to preach. And Lord, I stand where the arm of flesh will indeed fail. And I realize my frailties, I realize my, my, my weakness. And Lord, I'm asking you to do tonight supernaturally what you've done many times for men of God. You've filled them with the Holy Ghost and you've used their mouths to represent you. And Lord, I pray tonight that you'd do just that. We're living in perilous times in this nation. We're living in perilous times. The church in this church age is, Lord, the, the last days, this Laodicean age of the church, we're cold. And Lord, we're indifferent and lethargical. Many churches, I pass many churches tonight who won't be opening the doors. Between here and Pocahontas, many Baptist churches with the doors closed, they've already just come to a, a, a quitter's mentality, a loser's lifestyle. And Lord, I pray you'd raise up some people. Let, that, let, let the Gethsemane Baptist Church continue to be a lighthouse. Raise them up that they can be an example for others to follow. Do it, Father. I pray your hand a blessing upon Preacher Derek and his family. And Lord, continue to open the doors for him, how, how America needs to hear him. And Lord, give him, give him wisdom beyond his experience. And Lord, help him as he preaches and teaches across this nation, defends this King James Bible. And Lord, use him in that aspect. Now help me tonight. I yield myself to you for the best way I know how. From the top of my head, the sole of my feet, it's my desire to please you. Give me backbone to say everything that I ought to say. I realize the fear of man is a snare. And the Lord, give me discernment not to say anything that wouldn't bring glory and honor to you and exhort the saints of God to press on further. Now, we ask it believing. Thank you for answered prayers already today. And once again, use the word of God. You said you promised that it wouldn't return void. And Lord, let it find a lodging place in the minds and hearts of listeners tonight. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. And David went on and he grew. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Samuel chapter 17, one of the most, I guess, uh, popular, well-known books and chapters concerning the episodes of David the king. David went on and grew. He progressed. Every person in this room who just got saved, or you that have been saved, this brother testified after 10 years, hadn't missed a service since he's been saved. I see others in this room with white hair that have been in the way a long time. You've been serving the Lord for length of days. Whether you just got on board or whether you've been saved for a long time, let me tell you, it's not quitting time. In light of an empty tomb, I'm, I mean, I'm a Bible believer, and I believe on the third and appointed day, 72 hours after Jesus Christ was buried, that he rose again from the dead. And in light of an empty tomb, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, and unmovable and always abounding. That word abound means to go beyond the boundaries. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The Bible said, wherefore we labor that whether absent or present, Paul said that we may be accepted of him. The Bible said in Galatians chapter 6, I like what it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. What's a man soweth that shall he also reap. 
If he sows to the flesh, he'll the flesh reap corruption. If he sows to the Spirit, of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The Bible said, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. The Bible said, whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. He gave the commission, the orders, the military commands to the church, and he said this, and you could go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Well, we're not there yet. And the reality is, as I pastor in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, even tonight, there's some that because the pastor was away and they found, about it, found out about it this morning, they won't be back. They're going to throw it up in neutral. And when the cat's away, the mice will play. Amen. Well, Brother Tony's out of town. I just <coughs> don't feel good. I don't I, I may have the corona. Help me now. I, I mean, man, you could scare a lot of people. You start coughing and hacking in here right now. Somebody say amen. I better stay home and plea in that little human. I don't want to make anybody else sick. No, you backslid. Somebody help me. You ready to quit? You about ready to throw in the towel? And it's not quitting time. If there's ever been an hour where the church ought to, with urgency and intensity, fulfill the commission of God, it's in this hour. I mean, the world's dying and going to hell. And we have the answer. And we are the only ones with the answer. Hey, uh, the Muslims don't have that. Oh, oh, Allah ain't got the answer. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given on men where you must be saved. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, had given a name above every name, had at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, had every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We got the answer. Salvation is in a person. I'm glad I know him. And you and I, from the youngest person here who can comprehend what I'm saying, to the oldest veteran child of God, the battle's not over. The job that we've been given is still, I'm telling you, this job, this job to propagate this message of the gospel, it's got to be carried to the next generation, even to the ends of the world. And I want to preach a little while using that as a springboard. David went on. We come to the conclusion of 2020, and really I was talking to one of the brothers here on the front bench a while ago, and he said, well, how are you doing? I said, well, I'm winding down. And when I said it, I got a little under conviction, thinking what I was fixing to preach on. But that's my natural response. It's the end of the year. My meetings have come to a conclusion. Uh, corona took away a lot of revivals. A lot of churches shut their doors. The Lord began to open some doors after maybe... Uh, after November, that, that, that October, November, we begin to travel again. But I mean, man, it's, it's about the end of the year. I'm going to go home and, and I'm going to sit around in the rocking chair and, and rock little Andy Lynn, my granddaughter on my knee. Praise God for the granddaughter. I mean, if I'd have known grandchildren were so great, I'd have had them first. Somebody say amen. What a blessing she is. I love to hold her. I love everything. And it's, it's contagious. Troy, my son, He's like that. We'll be riding down the road, man. I think it's because he wants to get out of work. But he'll say, don't you want to go see Andy Lynn? Now, don't say that. I'm, I'm, I'm exiting. Somebody, I'm, I'm, 
I'm hitting the road. Where, when, where, and where is she? Well, I love it. We're going to wind down. We're going to eat Christmas dinners, and we're going to open presents, and we're going to reflect on last year. But, but really and truly, it's really time for us to be pressing forward. Paul could have rested on his accomplishments. The greatest of all Christians that we've ever known. I mean, let's just be honest. He called himself the chief of sinners, but man, in my eyes, he was the, the chief of the Christians. What an example. He said, be a follower of me as I'm a follower of Christ. And when he, when he, when he began to, to analyze his own life, he, he made this statement, not that I've apprehended, not that I've attained or accomplished anything. Now, mind you, he wrote over half the New Testament. Mind you, the I'm talking about he raised Eutychus from the dead. He was caught up into the third heaven himself. He'd done been on a, on a pre-tour to heaven, praise God. But he said, not that I've apprehended, not that I've attained, but this one thing I do. I, forgetting those things which are behind, I press forward. He could have easily rest. He could have easily come to a place of comfort zone. Neutral contentment. I'm all right. But in light of an empty tune, he said, man, we need to be steadfast and unmovable. And I'm saying tonight, man, David went on. My challenge to you in this last month of 2020 is it ain't time to quit. It's not time to make excuses. It's not time to, 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 to review our past year and focus on our failures and allow the devil to beat us up. It's time to move on. When I look at the life of David in chapter 17, 1 Samuel, there's some things that stick out to me about this episode with Goliath. And I believe it went beyond that Valley of Elah, Brother Troy. I, I believe it went and followed David throughout all of his life. As a, as a youth here, leaving his father's sheep, he comes with commands from his father. By the way, if your daddy tells you to do it, it's always the right thing to do. And if the heavenly father gives orders, you don't have to worry what people think about them. But Jesse had said, go see how the brethren are doing in war. And he has a care package for me. You all know the story. And he gets there. And when he gets there, he's hearing what's going on. Y'all know, how many would know what's taking place? Valley of Elah, the giant Goliath, he's defying the armies of God. He's mocking God's people. He's mocking the God of Israel. And David hears these things. And uh, verse 27, he says, uh, The people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, David's his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And David just walked up and said, what's going on? And they said, well, this Philistine giant, oh, Abdullah the butcher out here. Amen. I mean, he's out here and, and he's challenging God's people. And Saul's issued a decree, man, whoever gets killed is going to have the reward. And David says to a man, the eldest brother Eliab said, he heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled, verse 28, against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left thy few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. Sounds like a bitter man right there. Kind of sounds like somebody bitter. He didn't get anointed to be the king. Somebody help me. Sounds like a jealous man. Well, I know, I know what you're about, thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him to another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. Now understand, David comes and he sees a need. He's burdened by the need. 
They're mocking God. They're mocking the God of Israel. I mean, Israel's got God's hand on them. Israel's got the blessing on them. Israel's got an Abrahamic covenant that's going to be fulfilled. And by the way, they still do right now. You can put, put that in your pipe and smoke it, praise God. And they're standing there, and they're defeated people. They're, they're, they're hiding out. They're fearful people. And David says, man, something's wrong somewhere. And when he recognizes the problem, notice this. His brothers begin, his eldest brother begins to attack him. David had to go on when he turned to another. The Bible said after, after Eliab reamed him out and told him, oh, man, you're here for the wrong reason. When he turned, he said he went to another and said, Am I hearing this right? And they said, yeah, but you're down here for the wrong reason, David. He said to another, and they answered after the same manner. I, you know how you say you see that and read that and you didn't see it till you see it? I, I saw that. I mean, I looked at it, I said, you mean to tell me there was nobody there encouraging him? His own family discouraged him? Can I tell you, 2021, if you're going to go on for God, if you're going to go on and grow, you're going to have to go on past public's evaluation. His, his brethren looked at his, his eldest brother that watched him grow up and knew the heart of David and knew all the circumstances surrounding his anointing and knew that Samuel came down there under the authority of God and put his hands on David and knew that he was God's choice and knew that God had designated David as a, pur a purpose to serve. When he came to battle, he threw a wet blanket on him. Don't think when you decide to serve the Lord don't think 2021 you, you, you re-up for the cause of Christ and get involved again and get deeperly involved in Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Hey, your own family will run you down. Public's evaluation. You have to go on. He went on past public's evaluation as they misinterpreted his motive. Bible said, judge not that you be not judged. And that's the liberal's favorite verse. Your liberal friends at work love that. You're not supposed to judge. Well, if they read a little bit more, they'd find out in 1 Corinthians that the he that's spiritual judgeth all things. And by their fruits you shall know them. Only thing I cannot judge is your motive. And that's exactly what Eliab was trying to judge. I know why you're here. You're naughty. I know why you're here. Hey, you're, you're selfish. You want some attention. You're just here, David, for the wrong reason. You don't understand what's going on. David had a handle on what's going on. He said there's a cause at hand. But his family, his own eldest brother, the soldiers that were there, hey, I'm talking about his comrades in arms, when they saw him step up to the plate and they saw him want to try to make a difference, instead of an encouragement, they were discouragement. Oh, David. You're here for the wrong way. Listen, people don't know why we do what we do. They can judge our actions. That's why we better do right. They should judge our actions. They should judge what we do. Amen. But they don't know why we do what we do. And sometimes we, we are more wounded by those who misinterpret our motive. Parents are that way. We only tell children things to help them, then they get mad at us for telling them. We're trying to, to shortcut their tragedies and heartaches. We're trying to point them in the right direction. But then they get defensive and they want to, well, if you're going to be like that and show their rebellion. Amen. 
You better be careful that you do not allow those that, I'm talking about public's evaluation will stall your progress. If he had to let it, amen, if he had to let it, oh, Elab would have never, I'm talking about he would have never stepped foot in that valley. Oh, Goliath would have still been stomping around down yonder, mocking the armies of God. There'd never been a rock slung from David's sling. There'd never been a, a sword taken from Goliath's sheath. Hey, he had never beheaded that old giant. And God's people would have walked away from there defeated. But praise God. Hallelujah. He didn't allow public's evaluation to stall him in his motive. You need to learn, friend, that if you're doing it for God, it doesn't matter what everybody else says. It's God who's keeping that score. Husband, listen to me. I know it's not an easy battle to be the, the head of your home, but it is on you. You, you will answer for that role. Amen. And decisions that you make for your home, decisions you make for your children, I'm telling you, friend, it may not be easy, and they may not, hey, your wife may not understand, and your children under God don't want to understand. But I tell you one thing, friend of mine, when you make the right decisions and take the right stand, hey, God will be with you through that thing. You must go on. David went on through public's evaluation. They evaluated his motive wrong. They, they, they evaluated his maturity wrong. He was so far ahead of Eliab and his brethren. Amen. Y'all listening? This Coca-Cola is branch water. Is everybody listening? I mean, it's night and day difference. But in the, in the eyes of Saul, a natural man, he saw that ruddy boy and he said, Oh, yeah. You're not prepared. You ain't ready for this job. What you need is my armor. You need my mail. You need my shield. You need, you need my sword. You need my helmet. You're, you're, not, you're not ready yet. Can I tell you right now, none of us are ready yet. We're in the process of sanctification. God's working on our life. He's rust, knocking off the rough edges. And I mean, I'm an old chunk of coal, but I'm going to be a diamond someday. Somebody say Amen. And, and I mean, God's working in our lives. He's molding us. It's called sanctification. And he's molding us and making us into a productive vessel, a useful vessel. And, and friend, as the world looks at us, all they see is our weaknesses. But let me remind you the words of Paul. He said that Jesus, after his prayer, he said, my strength. Paul said he prayed about a, a thorn in the flesh. And he said, man, my strength is made perfect in thy weakness. When you reach a place where you realize you can't do it without God, boy, you're getting pretty stout now. It's that pride, it's that, when I was a child, I spake as a child. First Corinthians I understood as a child. When I was immature, I mean, I thought I could do this, I, I'd be all right. No, no, when you get to the place where you become a man, you put away childish things. And you quit talking about what you're going to do. Proverbs 27, 1, boast not thyself on tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You start saying, if God will help me. If God will help me. I mean, Saul even said to him, man, you're not ready for this. I mean, what you need is you need this armor. And, and you know the story in verse 38, and Saul armed David with his armor and put a helmet on him and put brass on his head and armed him with a coat of mail and girded his sword upon his armor. And he essayed him to go, for he said, I had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. They, 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 the public's evaluation of his maturity. 
You're better when you realize you're weak. When we, when we approach the things of God as parent, in parenthood, when we approach the things of God as, as spiritual leaders, when we approach the things of God in our lives individually, the, the, the addictions and, and the temptations that we face, when we realize we're nothing, when we realize that we're weak, that's when we become strong. None of us are ready. But God can draw a straight line with a crooked stick. I see that clear. I see public's evaluation. They misread his might. His brethren misread his motive. Saul the king misread his maturity. But then the giant himself began to laugh. I mean, he was really offended, you know. You're going to send this boy. I mean, I've been fighting in the WWF. I've been in the cage. You're talking about you're going to send this little chump down here to whoop me? Am I a dog? He looked at David. He said, son, son, are you kidding me? I like what he said. Verse 43, the Philistine said unto David, verse 43, am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? You're going to come whoop me with a, with a stick, with a cudgel? He said, am I just some kind of dog? You're going to come to me with staves and the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come on over here. That's in the original ancient Masoretic text. What he said in the original, look up in here, Hoss. Come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and the beasts of the fields. I mean, he's talking big. I mean, hey man, he, he's, he's really blowing. You just bring it on. I've done this before. The world looks at us as just meek. They don't understand greater is he that's in you. They don't understand I can do all things. Amen. You can get sober and get off of drugs and never miss a service in 10 years. You can do all things through Christ. It is a possibility. They don't understand the might that's within us. And David says, boy, I like this. And David said, verse 45, unto the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a shield, and, but I come unto thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied, and this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hands, and I'll smite thee and take thy head from thee. And I'll, I'm talking about he's, he's trash talking like a, like a safety. Somebody help me. And I'll give the carcass of, the, of thy host to the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know, that everybody on earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. I'm trying to help you tonight. You need to go on. You need to go on past public evaluation when they think we're nothing. Man, just, just surprise them with the power of God. You understand God gives us commands, right? Orders. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We've been given a commission. We've been given standards to live by. Amen. I'm talking about boundaries, biblical boundaries. Well, I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can do it. Well, I, I, I just don't. Oh, you can do it. 
You can do all things. It is possible. But I'm saying to you that the power that's within us, when the world thinks you, listen, don't you cave down, don't you cave in to the peer pressures of society when they begin to evaluate your life. Man, we're trying to serve the Lord, not people. He went on past public evaluation. Notice this, he went on past previous encounters. When I read the story as he's approached by Saul, verse 33, Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion. Now let me just say, the theologians want to make like it was a little kitty cat. I mean, if it was just a pretty full-grown bobcat, it would have been stout enough for me. But my King James said it was a lion. And he said it was a bear, and he took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him. He didn't wait till he came. He went out after him and smote him and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and I smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. He went on past public evaluation, but he went on past previous encounters. These previous encounters reminded him that his success was because he was accompanied. David wasn't foolish enough to walk out on that battlefield by himself. Yeah, bring it on. No, when he walked out there, I believe he had some confidence. I believe he had some boldness, obviously. But I believe there was a sober mentality. Now, you come to me with that big old sword. He was looking at that sword. And you come to me, that's sort of big as a weaver's beam. And you come to me with a shield. I mean, I mean, you come to me as, as a man of war. But I come to you in the name of the big L Lord. I'm saying to you, you got to go on past those previous encounters. And he, he was successful with a lion and a bear. If it had been me, I mean, listen to me. If it had been me and it had been you and we had whooped lions and bears every service, we'd have wanted to testify. I'd have been saying, hey, brother, brother, Derek, could I say a word for the Lord? Go ahead. Well, I want to say praise God. Woo! I, I remember one time I was out in the field. I, praise God and a lion come in there. I, and a bear come in there and tried to grab some sheep. Hallelujah. Woo! I'll never forget it. Amen. I, and I reached out there with a, and I ripped, I grabbed him by the beard. I, and I can't, I whooped that bear too. Woo! Hallelujah. If you're not careful, you'll forget who brings the victory. If you're going to go forward, you're going to have to go beyond some previous encounters and quit trying to take the claim for it. Can I say to any parent in here, if your children turn out right, it's not some star for you to wear. Don't you look down your nose at somebody else whose son's on dope. None of us are exempt. It's by the grace of God that any of them turn out right in this hour. Amen. It's by the purity grace of God you stay married. It's by the purity grace of God you live moral. I tell you how you do it, you do it because you're accompanied. Previous encounters ought not 
outpost us and puff us up with pride. But previous encounters, successful events, when God uses us, it ought to remind us he was there. I was not there alone. I didn't do it by myself. God was there. God's people were there. Hey, I had a preacher and I had a church and I went on for God because I had some help. Previous encounters, man. It ought to make us accountable. I mean, he was accomplished. He had some hides on the wall. I mean, he had some big old mounts, some trophies on the wall. But, but wait just a minute. I mean, it wasn't over yet. Sometimes previous encounters will get you to a place where you think you've already reached it, you've already attained. I'm picking on our brother tonight, but sometimes you get, you get sober. And I've seen people in our church get off of drugs, and that's the plateau. That's the high plane of their Christian life. Well, I remember when I, I, got, I got off alcohol. Now, they hadn't done anything else since that. That's a great accomplishment. And it's going to disqualify you if you don't get over it. You're going to wreck your life, your family's life. You're going to wreck your children's life. You're going, you young people are going to hurt, hurt your parents where they leave scars they can never, get, they can never wash away. Put fears in their mind that they'll never, that they will never, they'll be second guessing you the rest of your life, but you're the one that sowed it. Amen. But I'm going to help you with a minute. Help me just a minute. Don't think just because you kicked the habit now you've finished. Well, I had victory over this, and I had victory over that. And I got, wait a minute, man, it's not stopping time, it's starting time. Previous encounters will stall you if you're not careful. When you claim the accomplishment, you better see the accompaniment and you better not claim the accomplishment. Man, he didn't say I did anything, but the God will know and the God will see. Accountability. You're accountable for the blessings of God in your life. If God does bless you, if you've looked over the last 12 months of your life and you've seen answered prayer and seen intervention of God and God's been able to use you, this church has grown even through Corona. Man, y'all ought to be running aisles throwing songbooks over your head. I mean, God's blessed this place. It's incredible what God's doing here. It motivates, man. I get excited when I just pull up on the, we pulled up tonight and Troy said, man, Derek's got it deep. Are they deep over there tonight? They deep. That's, that's Middle Tennessee Baptist term for, man, they got a crowd. Y'all listening? Hey, God's, you better be careful. You better be real cautious. You're accountable to give God the glory. You'll stall. This church will come to a place. I'm talking about you'll hit a brick wall of growth if they don't humble themselves and realize this building was God. I mean, the man, the parking lot, the favor, it's all the hand of God. The Bible school, it's a hand of God. The blessings of a God-spirit-filled preacher, that's the hands of God. Hey, you better stop a minute and smell the roses. Be accountable if you're going to go on. David went on. He went on through public's evaluation. He went on through previous encounters, great, ta- great feats, things not to deny, things not to, to forget, but, but things that we ought to make sure that we accredit the power of God for, not the arm of our flesh for. Let me give you this, we'll go home. Well, I won't go home, but I'm going somewhere. Somebody say amen. David went on. 
He went on past those public evaluations. He went on past previous encounters, but he went on past some personal entanglements. If you read through the life of David, you'll find out everything wasn't victorious. I wished that that episode with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Bible corrector, but I'm a human, and I just wish that wasn't in there. I mean, y'all so much spiritual, y'all so, I'm glad it's in there. I know you're, you're more spiritual than me. I did, it, it saddens me. I never get to that passage that I'm not gutted. I'm talking about David, the psalmist. I'm talking about he could play that harp. David, I'm talking about the, about, about the warrior. This is what they were singing back there in Jerusalem. Saul has killed his thousands. But David's killed his ten. You can have Saul. But I'll take him. I mean, they was all for him. It was playing on the jukeboxes, man. It was popular. And all of a sudden, that great testimony... That, that visible character, that, that example for the young people of Israel to follow. I mean, the warrior with blood dripping off his hand and, 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 a, and, a, and a giant's skull holding it by its hair and blood. I'm talking about all the great feats were almost overshadowed when he was supposed to be at war. And he looks out and there's a woman over there bathing. And he saw her in her nakedness. Y'all know the story. It's shameful. Now look, look, look at me. Don't try to justify your immorality because of David. I've seen, I've seen goofy Christians. Well, everybody's got the Hannah Montana. Man. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has those days. Not, not if you're being shaped in the image of Christ, you don't. I don't believe in second, uh, a second blessing or an eradication of the flesh or some kind of, a, of, 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 of that sinless perfection. But I believe we can live, I honestly believe we can live holier than we're living. I believe we can dress more modestly than we're dressing. I believe we can, amen, I believe we can live right and look right. I mean, I believe that. We've so settled for second best. We've so rationalized. Well, David, you know, ain't nobody perfect. Why not? You got the Holy Ghost living in you. He's perfect. You can get a lot closer than you're getting. Hey, ma'am, you can get a lot cleaner than you're living. Hey, sir, hey, you can get a lot closer than you're getting. I didn't even believe I was going to get it. I didn't mean to get on that. But too often times, personal entanglements tether our progress. Here he was, and he knew better. You'd have to preach to the choir, man. David said, my sin is ever before me. It haunted him. It followed him the rest of his life. Man, please don't sow to the flesh. Of the flesh, you're going to reap corruption in this life. Some of that stuff you've done as a teenager, it's going to follow you. Man, man, don't do it. Stop, stop, stop. Right now, pull up the brake. He wished he had never done what he'd done. He's weeping. He's saddened. I've learned that many times personal entanglements can devastate us. 
I've pastored people long enough to watch their failures to align with Scripture and their weakness in the flesh control them. Consume them and cripple them. And they never get past it. David had to somewhere down the line shuck that. He said, Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Not, not that if I commit some iniquity, but if I regard it, if I, if I justify it, if I rationalize my wrong, if I begin to lie, say, well, you know, it ain't that bad. That's regarding iniquity. Man, David said, I wish I never had. I'm going to say to you, sometimes personal entanglements, if you don't get victory over them, amen, if you, don't, if you don't trust the Lord about forgiveness, if you don't claim that promise that he can remove our sins as far as the east is from the west, and man, remember them no more, I'm going to tell you what you'll do. You'll be, you'll be followed the rest of your life. And every time you begin to make progress for the Lord, that old chain of the past will begin to rattle behind you. Man, he had to go on. He had to go on past those previous encounters and those personal entanglements that would devastate. Sometimes those personal entanglements will just defeat you. And that's it. I've pastored long enough to watch people who were on fire for the Lord, their families on fire for the Lord, and divorce came. And it didn't just knock out the one that was unfaithful. It didn't just knock out the adulterous one. It knocked out the faithful one. It knocked out the children. It knocked out Papa and Granny. It even knocked out the friends that they invited to church when they were still right. Oh, yes, yeah, a big deal, friend. Hey, look, don't look down. Look up a minute. It's a real, hey, friend, it's a big old deal, neighbor. It's a big old deal, neighbor. You need to get, oh, you need to confess it and forsake it. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but he that confesseth and forsaketh shall obtain mercy. Man, you need to confess your sins and get right and go on. Go on, man. Hey, plow on. Press on. I mean, go on forward. Don't let those, pre, don't let those personal entanglements defeat you. To some degree, I mean, if you study the life of David, I really believe those personal entanglements made him determined. Your failures can either be a stumbling stone or a stepping block to your next level of Christianity. They tell me, I don't know, I read after so many theologians, I don't trust them at all. I don't trust them when I do a democratic, amen, President, amen, friend. Do You don't have to like that, ma'am. I didn't ask you what you liked. I didn't have to ask you who I voted for. You don't see me wearing a mask. I voted for Trump. Somebody say amen. Hey, man, friend. Preaching time. Some of y'all stewing. Hey, I was preaching this before I come in here. I'll be preaching when I leave out of here. You can take that to the bank. You can take that to the bank, big daddy. Personal entanglements ought to make you determined. Now, the devil got me on that. And I fell prey to that. And he set a trap for me. And I should have never looked over at Bathsheba. But you don't hear of it again. You're not chemically dependent. You was a dope addict. You're not an alcoholic. You was a drunkard. 
You're not, you're not addicted to pornography. You just like looking at that stuff. And if you want to, if you want to, if you want to, I said if you want to be, hey, hey, hoss, if you want to, you can be victorious. Some people love the pity of the past. They love to waller in it. I pastored some people. I I I guess I'm just, I don't know. I've got those genes. No, you know, it's called the sin nature. It has nothing to do with genetics. It has to do with the sin nature. You're sinners by choice. And you do right by choice. Don't you wean yourself off a dope. Quit. You don't need 14 steps, 12 steps. You need one trip to an altar and confession, bless God, and get up by the grace of God. I ain't going back in that hog pen no more. I ain't going back in there again. I'm not running around that crowd. Hey, that lays with the dogs gets fleas, bless God. Hey, I'm not wallowing in that again. If you don't, you'll be wallowing, you'll be hung up, you'll be tied. Somewhere down the line, David said, I'm not going to let Eliab dictate to me. There's a giant out there, and God's going to want to write about that in 2 Samuel. He won't want to write about it in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And God's going to use me. And I don't care what Eliab says, I don't care what Saul says, and I don't care what Goliath says. Bring it on, hoss. Come on, big daddy. I, I got something for you. I got something for you right here. Right here. I got something for you. Some of y'all right now are on the edge of victory. And you're letting others keep you from success. Previous encounters. Well, I tell you, me. We got our family back together. Wonderful. But now what else are you doing? It's got you tied. Well, I tell you, the Lord gave me victory. I know it, I know it. Now what you doing? Some of you have allowed those errors and mistakes of your past to concrete you into a place of permanent, permanent digression when God wants to make you productive. Let's stand together all over the house. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. David went on. How many would say, Brother Tony, the message was for me? By the uplifted hand, you say the message was for me. Would you slip it up and say, God spoke to me tonight. God used the message for me tonight. Young people, was the message for you tonight? Young married couple, was the message for you tonight? Keep them up just a minute. I want you to think about what you're raising your hand about. Keep them up in the air. The message, God, God was speaking to me tonight. Papa and Granny, was it for you tonight? David went on, and he grew, and the Lord God of hosts, was with him. Our Heavenly Father, please take these thoughts tonight. We're living in times where the church, if it's ever, if it's ever had an opportunity to make a difference in the darkness of this age of grace, we have a great platform now. And it doesn't take many, it doesn't take much of a light to show up with a backdrop of darkness. And I pray you'd raise up some folks within this congregation who will not be tied will not be stalled and will not be hindered in their progress. But by the grace of God, they're going to press on like David did, forgetting those things which are behind. Lord, if there be one lost and undone, we've prayed it already today, we've prayed it tonight, but not to be redundant, not to be ritualistic or just habitual in our prayer, but Lord, we pray for the lost that may be in this room today.
that you'd show them their need of a Savior. Heads are bowed and nobody's looking. How many in this room say by the uplifted hand, I know beyond any shadow of any doubt that I've been saved and I could take you to the place where I got saved. Would you raise your hand you know that without a shadow of a doubt? I could take you and show you the place I got saved there. I know it. Put your hands down. How many say, Brother Tony, I'm not sure about it. I don't have that piece of eternity for sure, but if I could know that I was going to heaven, I sure would want to. I don't want to leave this walk alive uncertain. I don't want to gamble with eternity. And pray for me, and I'm not going to embarrass you, but by the uplifted hand, you're asking me just to pray for you. By the uplifted hand, say, I'm not sure. I'm saying, would you slip your hand up and say, pray for me, I'm not sure. Pray for me, I'm not sure. Pray for me, I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure I'm going to heaven. Pray for me, I'm not sure. Well, our Heavenly Father, you know the hands, and you know the hearts, and you know those who may have not even raised their hand that are sitting in their pew today doubting an eternal home in heaven. And I pray convicted power of the Holy Ghost would draw them during this invitation. Do what man cannot do. Let there be lasting decisions made today around this altar, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. The